You are now listening to Zakaic Podcast, proclaiming Jesus as Savior, Healer, Sanctifier, and Coming King. A blessed Sunday to all. Welcome to the first Sunday of the month of October. And I would like to welcome all of us to the Missions Month emphasis of the Christian and Missionary Alliance Churches of the Philippines. And the theme for this month is quite unique in contrast to the previous year's themes. Because usually whenever we have a theme or a series during Missions Month, it is geared towards doing. But the theme today, starting this Sunday until the fourth Sunday of the month, it is geared towards not doing but being. When we say geared towards doing, usually it requires an action that we must do, that every person in relation to the missionary work of Christ shall do something. And the usual thing is go give and pray. But this year's emphasis is quite unique because it is tar it's targeting the being of the missionary, our very person. And it is based on the Beatitudes that is part on the Sermon on the Mount, in where, wherein Jesus talked about the citizens of the kingdom of God. If you look at chapter 4, verses 23 to 24, Jesus began talking about the characteristics of the kingdom of God. And looking at this previous chapter, he talked about these characteristics of the kingdom relating that it is characterized by proclamation of the gospel. That the kingdom of God is characterized by the powerful healing of God that is displayed as he addressed the sicknesses of man. And then lastly, that the, 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 the kingdom of God is characterized by not only proclamation, not only healing, but it is characterized by deliverance. That those individuals that were overpowered by the demonic forces shall be delivered by the authority and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when we go to chapter 5, wherein we will be basing the sermon series, it is now talking about the characteristics no longer of the kingdom of God as in from the perspective of its entirety, but it is discussing now the characteristics of the citizens of the kingdom. So in contrast with chapter 4, chapter 4 talks about the characteristics of the kingdom, especially in verses 23 and 24. But here comes chapter 5. Jesus described about the characteristics of the citizens of the kingdom. He became more specific now in chapter 5. And we will be looking at some of these beatitudes or the beatitudes as some of the Bible scholars would call it. Some characteristics that you and I who are part of the kingdom shall exemplify in our lives. Now take note of this. Those who belong to the kingdom of God are not just members of the kingdom. While we are in this dark world, the society that God placed us in is in need of missionaries. And who are those missionaries that God is using to proclaim His gospel? It's those who are part of the kingdom, meaning to say the citizens of the kingdom. In other words, we are not simply members of the kingdom of God, 
but we are all missionaries of the king that he sends to the society. Now, as he is sending us to the society of this darkened world, the very issue that the Beatitude is addressing directly answers the question, how shall the citizens of the kingdom or how shall the missionaries that God is sending into this dark society shall behave? How shall we behave as missionaries? I want us to bring that mindset deep within our very soul this morning. We are all missionaries. How are we going to behave? The first behavior that we could find here or the first principle in relation to the behavior of the citizens of the kingdom is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And this is the only verse that we will be tackling this morning. Matthew 5, 3. I'll read from the Nasbi 1995 edition. Matthew 5, 3. It says here, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I will repeat. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I observe that we human beings, when a child is born, one of the many things that we have in mind is we will train the child how to live in this world. Not only how to live, but we train the child to be independent gradually. I'll give you this example. Maybe at around seven, eight, nine, we begin to become more serious when the child is seven, eight, nine months old. We become a little bit serious in how we communicate the child because we want the child to develop the skill of communication and would become independent as far as identification of object and would become independent as far as relating with other children around. Our doctor, of the doctor of our firstborn child advised us, she told us that if you like your daughter to speak fluently at an early age, never speak to her in a baby talk way. Never speak to the child in that way because that's what they, she would adopt. And added to that, she advised us to only use one language. Do not mix it up with other dialects. So my wife and I employed it, applied it with our daughter. And lo and behold, she was around 10 and a half months or 11. She can already talk straight English. Why did it happen that way? It's the training that we have employed or applied toward her. She was able to speak and communicate clearly, not in a baby manner, at that early stage because we spoke to her like we, the way we speak to an adult. And so we tried it again with our second child and still it happened the same way. And we desired that they will become good communicators so that they will become independent as far as they, in the way they would connect with other people around but as they progressed, we did not only train them to communicate properly. We also trained them to walk. Of course, maybe around six months old, seven, that's the time also that we, we 
buy them some stuff that we could put them in so that their legs would be strengthened and they can start walking around with the assistance of that particular apparatus. Or maybe at age one already, we want to see them walk around. Why do we train them how to walk? Because we want to see them become independent on how they move around. We don't like to see our children still crawling at age three already. We like them to walk around, to run around. So we train them. When they progress, maybe around ages five, six, seven, we start training them with the chores in the home. We train them how to sweep the floor gradually or wash the plate or wipe the table when it's wet, when it's dirty, or arrange some stuff around simple house chores that we need to teach our children. As they progress, we also teach them with many other skills. And one of those ways that we do is we send them to school because we want them to learn something and that they will be trained on that particular field that we want them to develop. For what reason? Now, there was one time that in a gathering of parents, we were conversing with them. One of them said this, I really like my child to be trained on this area because I want my child to develop further and become independent from me as his mom. Because, sabi niya, Pastor, we're not forever by the side of our children. And that statement is very striking because that's one of the core reasons why we develop our children as they progress, why we develop our children to be independent from their parents. Because the reality is that as human beings, as human parents, we do not exist for eternity on this planet. And when our time would come, our children must live, must struggle, must be able to fight with all those difficulties that they would encounter in life independently because we would no longer be by their side when that time comes. So it is important that parents of today shall train their children as early as possible geared towards independence. But that is in the biological and physical aspect. While I was thinking about this matter, I asked the question, in relation to our relationship with God, in the aspect of spirituality, is it going to be like that, that the believers are to be trained to be independent, and then they will grow, and as they progress, they will become more and more independent from God? Will that be the case as well? Because if we say in the biological aspect of life, we train our children for them to be eventually independent, is that the same sense as well in our spiritual aspect of life? Let me answer that question by unpacking verse 3 of chapter 5 of the book of Matthew. So here is the text, the statement that I have read earlier. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Take note that this is a description of a citizen of the kingdom. Now, it started with the word blessed, which literally means blissful or happy. If we put this word happy with a statement poor in spirit, somehow it is presented like in a form of a paradox that 
they could not make sense. How can a person be happy if he is poor in spirit? How can this be? Now, let's take note that in English translation, there is the verb are in between these two adjectives, blessed and poor in spirit. Okay, the word poor and the word blessed. However, in the original language, there is no, there is no verb in that between those two words. The original language only presents us with the first adjective blessed, followed directly by the second adjective poor. There is no word are in between them. Now, this is common in the practice of translation because sometimes if you translate one language to another, you cannot find the exact words to make sense of a statement. That is why the English translators from the Greek language, they supply the word are to make sense of this first clause. Blessed are the poor in spirit. But in the original language, if you want to be so faithful with it, it just says, blessed, the poor in spirit. Meaning to say, there are two descriptions at the very beginning. It is followed by a noun that is possessive in its nature, followed by a linking verb, is, in English, is. But if you want to combine the sense of the noun that has the possessive nature in relation to that linking verb, is, it is more appropriate to translate it with that, with that pronoun, that person instead of is, belongs. So if I may translate it using the grammatical feature from the Greek language, if I may translate it into English, not in a manner the way Nasbi 1995 translated it, it would be like this. Blessed, the blessed, poor in spirit, that person belongs to to the kingdom of heaven. I'll repeat. The blessed, poor in spirit, that person belongs to the kingdom of heaven. Now, why am I translating it, it that way? It is because of the grammatical feature. But here is the sense of the statement. If you try to understand how Nasbi translated it, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There is a possibility of being misled by the, the thought of the statement. What is the possible misleading thought? That a person who is described as blessed, when he exemplifies that characteristic called poor in spirit, that person shall now possess the kingdom of heaven or will be ushered into the kingdom of heaven. That can be a possible misleading idea because the true meaning of this statement is that there is already an assumption that that person belongs to the kingdom of God already. And because he belongs to the kingdom of God, he is described as blessed. And that person must exemplify the characteristic that is called poor in spirit. Okay? So it is very exact that this person described by Jesus in this first part of the beatitude that says blessed and poor in spirit is not, is not that he is outside of the kingdom. He is already in the kingdom of God. He is in the already state. 
And this can pertain to you and me because once we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we become part of the kingdom of God. And because we are part of God's kingdom, He is describing us as blessed and must exemplify poor in spirit character. Now let's try to understand what does this mean by this word poor in spirit. If you look at the Lucan tradition, how Luke penned it down in the book of Luke, in the gospel of Luke, he described specifically that person as poor. And it can probably be understood as poor as far as social status is concerned. But not in the case of Matthew. Matthew described it with a preposition in spirit. In other words, he is very specific about this matter. He's not talking about the person's social status. He's talking about our spiritual condition. That a person who is part of the kingdom of God shall exemplify this kind of spiritual condition. What is this? This spiritual condition actually is our way of recognizing our real standing in the presence of God. That there is an idea of humility combined with the concept of realization of who we are without Christ. That only the believers can understand. The believers may not understand this. Are the unbelievers, I mean. Why did I say that? Because the unbelievers, many of the people out there, they believe that they are okay because they have not murdered. They believe that they are right with God because they, not, they did not commit what, often, what is often called as um, mortal sin. Some people would say there is a way of categorization as far as sins are concerned. Some people would say there is what we call mortal sin and there are venial sin. What is the difference between these two? They would say that mortal sins are those mistakes that we commit that might destroy another's life. Like for example, we murder someone or rape cases. But venial sins are those sins that we call sometimes white lies or normal sins that we do day by day. Well, some people would perceive it that way, but biblically, when you look at the Bible, whether it's perceived to be venial or mortal in the eyes of God, they are both sins. And there is no categorization like that in the scriptures. And so there are even human beings out there that think that I'm just okay as long as I don't commit the mortal sin. But biblically, we are actually not okay. Whether we have committed murder or not, whether we just committed a lie before our parents, in the eyes and presence of the holy God, that sin deserves condemnation. He does not put sins into certain categories. No, not at all. As far as my God is concerned in the way He revealed Himself in the Bible, He is the Holy One. And when human beings would look at the purity of God, we can immediately recognize our, our unworthiness in the presence of the divine. And the Holy God can never be together with a sinful human being. And when a believer realized this, it is the very moment that we would say, Lord, I don't have any ways and means to be reconciled with you. And that is why I need your help. 
And by the time we put our faith in Jesus, we become part of the kingdom of God. We, we do not forget that realization that we had in the past. Because every time we see the Lord, we, see, we hear songs about the Lord. Whenever we, we see the cross, it reminds us of our inadequacy as far as making ourselves right with God. So after all, as a believer, there is a constant acknowledgement that our strength, our ways, our scheming, our tactics are inadequate to make our relationship with God right. It is a constant idea that we all have in our minds. And that must be brought all throughout the days of our lives because when we live our lives with that kind of perspective, not forgetting what Christ did for us, then we live our lives with this characteristic called poor in spirit. It is actually one's realization about what we can do and what we are in the presence of the Holy God. When we realize that we are not adequate, that we are not capable, it is always reminding us of the grace and the blessedness that we have experienced in Christ Jesus. Because when we are living in His kingdom, it only tells us that we know about that matter. We understood that. Because lest we understood that particular concept, then we will try our best always to gain salvation. We will always try to do good works so that we would be acceptable in the eyes of God. But because we are believers of Christ already, there, were, there was a time, a point in our past that we would be able to recall and say, Lord, at that point, I said to myself, I cannot save myself. There is nothing I can do to be right with God. I need you, Jesus. I surrender my life to you. I, I believe in you. I surrender my, my will to you and you are my Lord and my Savior and day by day I want to live under the authority of your will and power over my life and from that day onwards we keep on living our lives with this concept it's actually a life of a total constant dependence on God that is the life that is characterized by this statement poor in spirit so it is clear for all of us, it is not that we live a life that is poor in spirit so that we will become part of the kingdom, not like that. We are already part of the kingdom of God and He expects us as citizens of the kingdom to continually living our lives with this idea. With humility and right understanding of our real standing before God. Because at the end of the day, we must live a life depending on Him every minute or every hour of our existence. Because our belongingness to God's kingdom is setting our neediness of the King. Take note of that. Our belongingness to the kingdom of God is setting us to see the reality of our neediness of the king day after day we need jesus not only to receive the forgiveness of our sins not only to be reconciled with the holy god we need jesus 
to overcome temptations. We need Jesus to learn how to live this life in total dependence with God. So going back to the question that I have asked earlier, if by, in a biological perspective, we parents would like to train our children because someday we look forward that they would live their lives independently from us. But in the case of our spiritual aspect, in relation to God, in the longer we progress, the longer we journey with Him, the more we know about God, the more our minds are open to the revelation of the divine, the more we become dependent on Him. So it's the exact opposite of what is happening in the biological world because in the biological aspect the more we progress from the life of a little boy or little girl until he progresses to become adult what happens is that we expect that the child who turns to be an adult will become independent from their parents and the reason for that is that their parents will no longer live when that day comes. However, in relation to God, we have an eternal Father who would always be there by our side. And He wants us to express our dependence on Him every minute of the day. And the more we discover about the truth of God, the more we know Him as the ever-loving, ever ever-providing, ever-caring, ever-protecting Lord, the more He desires that we all more depend on him as well and this is a characteristic that a citizen of the kingdom shall exemplify a daily dependence on our heavenly father poor in spirit meaning to say we don't take pride of what we have we don't take pride of what we can do we don't take pride of what we have achieved Maybe it's from the scholastic manner of uh, getting a degree or a diploma or the position that we have. We don't take pride on those matters because the reality is that as we progress in our spirituality, God desires that we depend on Him day by day. Because our belongingness to God's kingdom is only positioning us and setting us to our neediness of the king take note of that always we are in need of jesus christ not only for our salvation but for our daily walk we need him because he's the only one who set the most concrete example of total dependence with the father one of the issues that is often raised to me whenever i converse with other religious leaders who don't believe in the godness or deity of Jesus. One of the issues that they would often bring out to me is that if Jesus is God, why does he pray? If Jesus is God, why does he not use his power to destroy those who persecuted him? And the answer to that question is that Jesus was exemplifying a life that is in total submission to the will of the Father. So that you and I, after He gave up His life, we can now live our lives patterned on the way He lived it. So He did not use His power. He prayed to God so that you and me will have a concrete example to follow and see what it means to live our lives under the authority in full submission to the will of God. 
And that's what He wants us to experience too as citizens of the kingdom because He wants us to exemplify total dependence on Him on a daily basis. Because our belongingness to the kingdom of God is positioning us to our neediness, to recognize our neediness of the king day by day. I really like that psalm, or I mean that song, that says, I need thee every hour. Because nowadays people would only think that they need Jesus when they are at the verge of death and life. Kana bitaong makabantay sila nga himalatso na diay or makabantay sila nga they are in great danger. Usa pa makarecognize nga kinahanglan day ko ni mo Lord. But a citizen of the kingdom of God is not like that. When we wake up in the morning, there must be a recognition, Lord, thank you for this another day. I need you this day. I need you as I prepare myself. I need you as I go to my workplace. I need you as I meditate on things around me and make some decisions in life. I need you in my relationship with this person. I need you in bringing my home, my family together. I need you in my work. I need you in my study. I need you in every aspect of my life, in every part of my being. I need you every hour. That must be a characteristic that is exemplified by the citizen of the kingdom of God. And when you are a citizen of the kingdom, as I have said earlier, you are as well a missionary. And that is exactly a character that a missionary shall exemplify as well. So as I have told you, this way of unpacking the concepts that are there, the principles of the kingdom in Beatitude, in the Beatitudes, it is not so much geared towards doing, but it is geared towards being. God wants us to exemplify who we are while we are in this world. Because regardless of what we say, if our lives is inconsistent in relation to the testimony of our words, then there is going to be a confusion of, who, of those people who would hear it. We can never be a salt and light of this world until we become consistent with what we preach and how we live our lives. No wonder it is a desire of God for all of us being a part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance that we do not only proclaim the gospel by the words, but we proclaim the gospel by our lives. And one of those ways to exemplify that reality is to live our lives in total dependence to God day by day. I have asked the praise and worship team to lead us in singing this song, I Need Thee Every Hour. And while you are seated, or I don't know if they would ask you to stand, while we sing the song, I am praying that we would all make this our own prayer to the Lord, telling Him, Lord, I need you every hour in every aspect of my being. So may I call on now the song leader and make this song our own prayer. Let's all rise. As we sing this song, I need thee every hour.
together. I need thee every hour, most precious Lord. I need voice of God. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Second verse. I need thee every hour. Stay down nearby. their power when thou art nigh. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. The third verse. I need thee every hour in joy or in pain come quickly and abide all life is vain I need thee oh I need thee every hour I need thee oh Savior, I come to thee. And the last verse, I need thee every hour, most holy one. Oh, make me thy need, thou blessed Son. I need thee, oh, I need Every hour I need thee, oh bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. Lord, we express our need of you, not only for our eternity, for the security that we long, but Lord, we need you in our life as we wrestle with the many struggles we experience in life we need you we need you in our family that your presence shall be the center of our existence that every member of our respective home will recognize your lordship in our in their lives we need you even in our workplace there are many illegal things happening, things that are not pleasing before the eyes of the Holy God. We need you there that we will become your agents of change. We need you there, even in our studies as well. We need you because you are the giver of our wisdom. Lord, we need you in the society. This society that has built tall buildings, but morality has getting been getting lower and lower. We need you in this society where there are thousands of people 
who are getting high degrees. But the spirituality that is happening all over the world today is declining. It is very alarming to see these realities around us. But as your people, as citizens of the kingdom, as missionaries from the kingdom that is sent into the world, into this society, we pray that we will continue to exemplify our dependence on you as we recognize our need of you day by day. Because this work, this ministry, the mission that you have placed upon our shoulders will never be accomplished by our own doings. But it is going to be accomplished in your own way, motivated by your love, supplied by your provision. And it is accomplished by your power and work. And that is why at the end of the day, we are all one in hearts in giving you back all the glory, the honor, and the praise. We give you all those things because we know and believe that you are at work in each one's life, dear Lord. And for this, we are forever grateful to you. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You just heard the message from Zamboanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, you can follow us in our social media platforms in Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zekai Ministries. See you there!